Hello and welcome to the first episode of Still Any Good, the podcast where we run the risk of ruining our childhoods by looking back on fondly remembered films from our past. I'm Robert Johnson and I'm here with Chris Webb. Chris? Hello. Oh, sorry, I interrupted you. Hiya, Rob. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm not too bad. This is very exciting. It is exciting, isn't it? I've never done anything like this before, so uh, I've popped another cherry. Have you? What, by doing this? I didn't do it on the way to your house. <laughs> That's good to know. Yes, yes. Um, so, we are starting with your choice this week, which yep. is uh, Kroll. On a distant planet, a great kingdom was ravaged by beings who came from the future to conquer the universe. Yes, I've chosen Kroll as something to watch for this week. It's a film that came out in 1983, when I would have been 11, going on 12. And at the time, I bloody loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I remember going to see it at a, I think the Empire Cinema in Milford Haven all those years ago. Um, and I've only ever seen it the once. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if it is actually any good. But I think you've seen it a few more times than that. I, I was very excited when you chose uh, Kroll, because um, it's one I would have probably thrown out there as well it was uh one of our rainy day vhs tapes when i was a kid um you're too young for vhs oh no 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 uh and i used to watch with my older brother all the time loved crawl absolutely loved crawl so re-watching it was uh quite the experience for me Mm, i hope you haven't ruined yours because your memory is a lot fonder than mine by the sound of it well you know after you watched it and kind of uh made a few comments I, um, <laughs> I I was a little bit tentative, but um, you know what? Well, let's just see, shall we? Let's yeah, let's, let's, let's find let's out. Just find let's, out. Let's, let's see if it out. is still any good. So, um, you know, the tagline for this I thought was a little bit presumptuous. Uh, prepare for a world light years beyond your imagination. Only mm. if you've got a pretty shit imagination, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, at the time, there were some some pretty good pop videos with people like Bonnie Tyler, mm. things like that, and mm. I had quite a vivid imagination. Not about Bonnie Tyler. Um, <laughs> I did about Lizette Anthony, but we'll come to that later oh. too. Um, and it was, it would have to be a long way beyond my imagination for it to be any good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the first thing that sort of strikes you when you, when you watch Krull is that James Horner, rousing James Horner fanfare. It's a nice start, isn't it? It is. I liked it. It really gets you, uh, sets the scene. Um, He'd just come off the Wrath of Khan, of of course, so Ah. it was on a bit of a sci-fi kind of high. Um, And then there's just this giant rock floating through space. Yeah, Yeah, I wasn't sure about the big rock. Mm. I was trying to work out what it reminded me of, but it it didn't look like anything. It was a bit strange. Sort of a mountain kind of just slowly floating through space. Yeah, yeah. That, that probably sums it up. This is kind of the confusing thing about Krull because it sets itself up to be this high concept sort of genre mash of sci-fi aliens invading a medieval fantasy world. <laughs> but it's kind of like they lose their nerve and just kind of go, "Oh, we can't be too, we can't really be too sci-fi." Yeah, the the, the, the little nods to sci-fi are something floating in space yeah. and, and some shiny suits when everyone else is wearing that kind of old. 
fantasy Game of Thrones kind of gear. It's, it's a bit strange. And the uh, Slayers have their sort of spears that kind of double as lasers. Yeah, they? laser tridents. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, interesting, you know, auteur kind of director. Peter Yates. Yeah. Peter Yates, who's, who's known for his sci-fi fantasy, and <laughs> Bullet and Breaking Away. It's a strange career that he had, isn't it? I mean, Bullet, this iconic Steve McQueen action film, and um, Breaking Away and The Dresser. Yeah. His sort of Oscar darlings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can kind of understand um, Breaking Away and, and Bullet because they've got very iconic car chases and, and the, the lovely bicycle race from Breaking Away. Mm-hmm. So I think he tried to do it with horses in this one <laughs> who go very fast. Firemares. The firemares. <laughs> they can travel 1,000 leagues in a day. So I, I don't know. I haven't done that much looking into whether Peter Yates was a like a, an 11th hour replacement, mm-hmm. whether... Ken Russell had walked off set or anything like that. I, I don't really know. But it just doesn't seem like him. No, no. Um, you can tell, I think, that there's not just a, a Hollywood hack behind the camera because there are some quite arresting images and, you know, he's reaching for for something kind of important at times, I think. Yeah, yeah. And and, and even the basics, um, the, some of the, the external shots, the photography is... is very, very nice. The, the mountaineering scenes oh, are lovely. There's some amazing uh, scenes of, uh, I think it's the Canary Islands it was filmed in, and mm. parts of Italy, and um, yeah. yeah. As as for the uh, the studio shots, I'm, I'm not so convinced. Um, everything just looks unfinished. Yeah. There's a lot of very big, empty rooms. Um, obviously, I'm not expecting you know, cushions and, and portraits on mm. the wall, but it's just huge blank walls. And I don't know if you noticed the, the castle at the beginning. Yeah. I think it's what it's meant to be is like a sweeping vista of the mountains behind them. Mm. And it's the most obvious matte painting I think I've ever yeah. seen. It's just a giant photo hanging behind them. And you're right. It doesn't really look like a sort of a George Lucas used universe, does it? There's not that kind of... No. No. It's fresh out of the box. It is. It is. Um, this was given me to know. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie Jones is uh, Emir, the... Um, Sort of a crap Obi Wan. Yeah, he's like an Obi Nun. Really, like, he is Obi Nun. He sort of looks like a drunk who's just rolling off the couch. Um, yeah, I mean, it, for, for the benefits of our listeners, I suppose we probably talk about what it's about. Oh yeah, well that would uh, help. That would, that would help. Yeah. yeah. So um, I chose it. So the movie Crawl is about. Uh, it starts off with with a, a voiceover, which is almost like a prophecy. Mm. I think read by Inur yeah, Freddie yeah. Jones. Yeah. Um, the old and one. The old one. Um, and I think that the basis of it is that a woman with an old name, mm. like you know, Hilda, or <laughs> Agnes, or something like <laughs> Ethel. that, Ethel, um, is going to marry um, a spunky prince, mm-hmm. and their offspring will rule the galaxy. Yeah. Which is quite scary when you think about it. It is. It's a little bit um, Damien the Antichrist, doesn't it? Just a little, yeah. I, I can't imagine anything good coming out of it. The other thing is, how do these sort of medieval kind of villages know about anything like the galaxy. I mean... <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. I mean, they, they look up and they're probably thinking it's just some, some light bulbs. Well, yeah. not light bulbs, because it's... The twin suns. The, the twin suns. Yeah, of Kral. The twin suns of Kral. So, we are then led to believe, of course, that it is... We, we see the wedding approaching of um, Colwyn, mm. who's not from North Wales. No. Um, and the princess Nyssa, mm-hmm. 
um, played by Lizette Anthony, with some appalling voiceover dubbing. Lindsay Krause. Lindsay um, Krause, yeah. Overdubbed her, and it was just totally redundant because uh, Lizette Anthony does a great American accent in Husbands and Wives. <laughs> she later. does, actually. You know, she's, that. she's a good actor. So, and yeah, she does she, some great standing around in Brian Adams' videos, too, which made a lot of sense in this film. She's she's lovely, Lizette Anthony. I, yeah, I, in my notes here I've got, as you can see, Lizette Anthony with a little heart drawn oh. next to it because... Uh, she was very popular in my youth, but I, I did did some reading around, and it, it said that the producers for the for the role of Princess Lisa wanted um, a mature American woman. Mm-hmm. So of course they hired the at the time nineteen year old <laughs> Lisette Anthony, <laughs> who's as plummy an English rose as you could possibly get. So they 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 dubbed over her voice with um, with Lindsay Krauss, who was mm-hmm. about thirty five at the time, mm-hmm. and it's just so jarring. It, it doesn't is. work. Yeah. It clangs, doesn't it? She, she's there, this this wide-eyed doe with her BMX bandits, Nicole Kidman hair flying yeah. around everywhere. Yeah. And just this voice in the of, Earl Colwyn. <laughs> it's, it's really strange. It, does, it really doesn't help that his name's Colwyn. It's no. kind of, you know, it's, it's sort of like the Jar Jar Binks end of the George Lucas kind of naming <laughs> scale, isn't it? They've all got kind of these sad kind of Celtic-y... Well, there's, there's a lot of Welsh names. There's yeah. Runes, there's Talk Colwyn, there's... Izir, yeah. uh, Keegan, Oswin. Mm. There's, there's all these very, very well, well, very Celt names. Yeah, Lisette Anthony, I think, does quite a, a good fist of having almost a almost a proto-feminist kind of character there. I mean, there's like this. They arrange their own arranged marriage. That's true. Um, and she obviously and, likes him, and she obviously likes him, and it's in defiance of kind of their their fathers. Um, and it's just a real shame that for the rest of the movie, she's basically just a damsel in distress. She is just running around like mm. like it's a pop video. Mm-hmm. Cool surrealist pop video. It's a very nice video, yeah. It doesn't fit with anything else in the film. No. It's, it's, it's quite a nice video. So, yeah, they're, they're getting married. Yep. Um, and then, wouldn't you bloody know it, the Slayers turn up. The bloody Slayers. Good name. The Stormtrooper-ish kind of aliens. Yep. Um, laser staffs. And as, you know, all interstellar travelling aliens do, they ride on horseback. Of course they do, because yeah. that's that's the way for that's the modern way. It is. So they've got, I assume, a big stable in the Black Fortress somewhere that they <laughs> take their intergalactic horses. And they managed to get there very quickly as well, so they may have even ridden firemen. Like they may have possibly ridden, ridden the firemen. But the, the thing, the, no, it's the, the Slayers, they're, they're meant to be these, these scary, really rough, evil baddies. Mm. But if you just kind of just, just prick them yeah. w- with a fork... This little sort of sort of a wet crustacean. Sort it was a bit like the fetus in Alien. A little bit, yeah. Pops out and falls out, and they do this. Yeah, a little, a little scream. R two D two when he's been electrocuted, sort a of. Bit like, well, my thought was there's that Monty Python sketch where they show self defence about being attacked by a piece of fresh fruit, mm-hmm. and Graham Chapman screams while he's holding the banana, and it just, just sounds a bit like that. Apparently, I, I did a bit of research on that, and the the shriek is from the uh, Mahar Shrieks from a movie called At the Earth's Core. Oh, of course it. No, yeah. No, never no, no either. I, I thought it was sort of like a, just a Wilhelm scream. Yeah. But... They didn't just get Lindsay Christ. No. no. Just stand up your finger trapped in the door. David Batley. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but, you know, they, they. I remember as a kid, the Slayers really were, um, you know, that was scarier to me than um, Stormtroopers, which probably doesn't say much. But it, It's so. the red thing. It's, 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 yeah. it's that red afterbirth and thing. It sort but... of disappears into the ground. Yeah, but why do they need such a big suit of armour? Because they're, they're quite small. Yeah, it's kind of like Daleks. I don't, I don't know. I suppose so, yeah. Yeah, possibly. So can we have a talk about the cast? Because oh, we, it's... Um, one of the assets of the film. It's great. It's it's a, it's 
at, at the time when I watched it, obviously I had no idea. The only one I knew who it was was, was Tucker Jenkins, mm. Todd Carty. Yeah, Tucker um, from Grange Hill. Which was probably one of the reasons I enjoyed it so much, because Tucker Jenkins was in it. And I think it was around about the time he was sort of leaving Grange Hill and joining Tucker's Luck. He was yep. doing his own thing. Yeah. Um, he's bloody awful in this. He is, and um, I think his big <laughs> moment is when he tries to jump on a fire mirror and sort of bounces off and goes <laughs> on his ass. He does, he does one of those and my axe kind of lines where <laughs> yeah. he says, is it, I have no sons, but I will follow you. Yeah, it's yeah. It's terrible. It is, it is. And I mean, you know, the, the cast is, of course, headed by, um, as all kind of leading men should be called, Ken. Ken Marshall. I can never remember his surname. I know he's yeah. called Ken. I can he, never remember. He's done, he's done very little other than uh, he played a kind of minor character in Deep Space Nine, I think. Well, there you go. And um, his hairline was not... Colwyn esque. Did he still have the beautiful point. beard? No, no. He um, it's quite a, it's quite a bold look. It's it's a bit George Michael, a little bit, a bit Noel Edmonds, mm-hmm. a bit Hallmark Channel Noel Edmonds biopic. It that is. kind of look. It is. Um, but yeah, aside from from Ken, who is a bit of a wet blanket throughout the whole, <laughs> he's very hairy. A very hairy. hairy. He's got a very he's got a blanket on his chest. When yes. he fall, yeah, blanket on the ground. When yep. he falls down those steps, um, he's. You could stuff a stuff a mattress with what he's got. You, you, they, they'd have waxed him these days. And um, you know those tights that he wears throughout the front—they really started to piss me off. These tights are just like black at a, you know, <laughs> black Russian. Yeah, they have some cob piece as well. I mean, it was just scare the clergy. Yeah. But the, yeah, the cast are very impressive. We've got Robbie Coltrane. Robbie Coltrane, who is also voiced over in this, he's overdubbed. He's overdubbed by um, Michael Elphick, I was reading. So there, there's your Lizette Anthony. Um, there's your Lizette There's your Lizette Anthony connection. They, they were in Three Up, Two Down together. Oh, the, the wonderful sitcom. That's uh, Two Degrees of Elphick. Absolutely. Um, so they, they didn't trust Robbie Coltrane to, to do a voice. So they got Mike, they got Boone in to do a voice for Why do they cast these people that, you know, they, they're not even trusting them to talk? Oh, yeah. Surely that's a waste of money. I wouldn't be happy as a producer. No, no, it's... I'd be like, can we get just one actor who can talk and... Because Michael Elphick, could, he can act as well, mm-hmm. so they, they, they could have got him in. But he's... He would have been great, actually. Yeah, brilliant. He would have done yeah, well. Yeah, he was always great. We have Liam Neeson. Oh, Liam Neeson is a... The, the bigamist king. Yeah, poly- poly- polygamist, isn't he? Yeah, he is a bad yeah. I forgot about the other one. One yeah, in every port almost, isn't it? Sort in every port, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, we have Ergo the Magician. Ergo the Magnificent. David, David Bailey. By David Bailey, who is great. He is so good. Um... He's he's one of those people you recognise his face yep. immediately. And yep. if you've ever seen a sitcom from the seventies or eighties, yep. he'd always be the one standing behind Richard Bryars going, "Yeah, you can't do that." Maybe <laughs> like a cabbie or a bus driver or something. All right, get back here. He's that sort of bloke, and yeah, he's for, awesome. For me, he was uh, always Mister Turkentine from um, Willy Wonka, the teacher. Of course, yeah, of course. But yeah, he um, very kid friendly character there, Ergo the Magnificent. Yes, sort of Jar Jar esque almost. Well, he's he's a bit too kid friendly. At one point, he does actually take a boy into the woods and show him a puppy. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a kind of a homoerotic thing between him and Rel, there Cyclops. Is. We had no time. We're... Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think he wants to he wants to get his one eye, out, doesn't he? Really, he... I'm very sorry. <laughs> his big Cyclops, yeah. So the, so the remainder of the army, there's, he doesn't have many lines, but um, an actor called Dickie Nashworth. Oh, He's the one who gets spiked at the end in that kind of Temple of Doom. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, not many lines, but I, I recognise him from, from various things. He's a bit of trivia. He was TV's first Alan Partridge. Wow. Not that one. No. Um, he was in Brookside, and his character was called Alan Partridge. Fantastic. Before Steve Coogan came on. And I saw him in a play once. I saw him in a play. <laughs> Talk to the Theatre, Milford Haven. Um, yeah. A John Godber play, um, which I only remember because there was, it was a play about going on holiday. 
and it was in a, a place in Spain called Mijas, and he kept pronouncing it Mijas, and <laughs> that's all I really remember about it, but it was very funny. You weren't sitting there going, there's the bloke from Kroll. It's the man from Kroll. <laughs> no, I was going, it's Alan Partridge. <laughs> and their leader, Torquil. Oh, um, Alan Armstrong. Armstrong. Love it. Fighters and brawlers. Desperate men. Those are the kind of men I need. Well, you heard him. We are now an army. <laughs> he is brilliant in this. Uh, he is the best yeah, thing yeah, in it. Yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah. And he looks quite handsome. He does look quite dashing. He's just with that neck thing he's wearing. Yeah, well, you know, I need the Lord Marshal as the keys to those. Uh, Lord Marshal or the King. Lord Marshal the King. And you're too young for either or something like that. But yeah, they really make it, don't they, in the supporting cast? Brilliant. And of course, Freddie Jones. Freddie Jones is great. His, his um, sort of pained delivery of every line. Uh, you can tell he's not enjoying he it. He really sells, <laughs> sells each line. The pink ointment that he that he rubs on Colwyn, I always remember that sort of staying with me as a kid for some reason. Yeah. I, I don't know why. It's, it's quite unsettling. <laughs> um, and he is in here. Yep. The old one who has come down from the Grand Mountains. But his, his other role in it is... It just seems to be just saying there is another way mm. where they'll they'll try and find their way to the what's the place? Black the Black Fortress. So of course oh. that, that's sort of the MacGuffin of the whole film, yeah, isn't it? Really, yeah. where this Black Fortress, which teleports every sunrise to it another, does teleport every sunrise. Yeah, yeah, to another part of Krull, and that's the whole kind of purpose, the whole driving yep. kind of they, they've plot. got to get to the Black Fortress, yeah. but it bloody keeps moving. It keeps bloody moving. Keeps on moving. Yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, Colwyn will need more than men and swords. <laughs> of course. He, and we know what he needs. He will need the power of the glaive. The glaive, which, yeah. again, was the coolest thing that I ever saw. It was the it was the coolest. Coolest. Second yeah. only to sort of a lightsaber or up there oh, with the glaive's much better. It's like a Chinese star. It's one of those things. Yeah, well, that's the funny thing, because glaive, the word glaive actually is an obscure word for a, a sword. But an actual glaive was a, a pole arm, a sort of a single-bladed pole arm. Oh, really? And what the glaive in, in Krull is, is of course a, a shuriken or a... It's a fidget spinner. A, 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 it is. It's the coolest fidget spinner ever. Well, th those points, it's, it's like as if Kevin Spacey in Seven <laughs> <laughs> yeah. for some kind of self-lust. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you have to hold it very carefully. What's in the box? What's yeah. in the box? <laughs> it's a fidget spinner. <laughs> Yeah, you have to be very careful with that. It's, mm. And he doesn't use it enough. No, he, he doesn't. only uses it in the last couple of minutes. It's, again, it's like I know I keep harkening back to um, Star Wars, but it's sort of like the lightsaber. It's it's this iconic weapon in the first movie that hardly ever gets used. Absolutely. You know, it cracks me up how um, Colwyn at first he's like the glaive. That's just that doesn't even exist, does it? <laughs> no, it does. Oh, okay. I'm going to scale. I'm going to climb Everest twice. Yeah, these, put my hand in some hot lava. Put my hand in molten lava, and he should have used a stick. Yeah, he, those yeah. hairy arms. Oh, they've just gone up like a like a bonfire. But that's um those sort of deathly cliff sequence. That's the kind of thing that Tom Cruise sort of insists in his contract these days. To Absolutely, have him doing with Ico Ico playing in the background. Absolutely, so just so he can appear on Graham Norton and say, "Yeah, I did that. I, yeah, I do yeah. my own stunts." Yeah, yeah, but um. Yeah, and, and you know th there are some gorgeous locations in this film. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's I, I watched uh, the Blu-ray version and I was impressed with with how it looked. Yeah, I, I didn't remember it. You know, it's not the sort of thing I think when you're a kid you appreciate, but mm. you appreciate the cool stuff like the glaive and the cyclops and the flying ears. Yeah, I don't appreciate the cyclops so much now. Hey, but he um he blinks. 
<laughs> Not blinking, Cyclops. You could tell that that was sort of you know fifty thousand dollars of anima- animatronics to make that one eye blink because every single scene of Raul, he stands He's, there and blinks. But that's that's his only movement. Yeah. He's, Hello. <laughs> he, I think he sells it. I, I was. He's the Chewbacca of of kind of. The movie, isn't he? I, but I, I just thought Bernard Breslau was just wasted. Mm, you, you, mm. It, it doesn't look like him because no. he's got Laguna in this sort of crap wig. Yeah. Um, there's so much kind of, there's so many prosthetics on his face. Mm. And he doesn't even do the Bernard Breslau voice. I'm not expecting him to go, oh, Sid, <laughs> what have I done now? Or anything like that. Yeah. But you, you, you've got to Breslau it up a little bit. Mm. Um I, I just thought it was a bit of a wasted opportunity. They could should, have got any tall bloke in. They should have just got Andre the Giant or something. Yeah, John Cleese. Oh, like gee, that. yeah. That would have been good. Yeah. Colwyn does have a Luke Skywalker moment when he when he holds the glaive, you know, is that, that sort of... Just, oh, it's it's the poster shot, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's just that look of sheer, he's about to jizz his pants. <laughs> well, he's always smiling. <laughs> he's got a smile on it. Um, the surrealist sort of imagery of, of the Black Fortress is kind of interesting to know with with my elf eyes <laughs> my adult Your eyes Kiwi yeah yeah um again that's sort of something that you i think as a kid i didn't really no i just thought it looked kind of cool kind of cool about as far as it goes but then they just cut to a shot of like a big screen of the beast yeah which is completely different grade and completely different stock footage yeah it reminded me of silvery edges yeah that's yeah, right yeah. do you know in father ted when dougal looks out the window and it's like stock footage of a hurricane he goes oh it looks like rain ted it just reminded me of that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it just doesn't work so apparently there was a um sort of a jaws like kind of monster malfunction with the beast <laughs> Is that right? yeah so the i think the the animatronic was it didn't sync up with the dialogue or the mandible didn't move properly okay. So that's why they kind of did a, you know, any yeah. fleeting glimpses of the beast, which I think worked quite well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit. It's a shame because the rest of the effects really stand up well. Don't they? <laughs> Dear ass, look, I know you've been facetious, <laughs> but I actually think some of them do. I, I was impressed with the uh, spider. In the, oh, I, I've, I've thought about that. The spider, I think, yeah. is, is terrifying. Yeah. I love spiders, yeah. but I think the spider in this is really shit your pants. That, that sort of translucent kind of membranous skin and you can see the sort of yep. red venom and it's kind of but, but the fact that it is kind of that, that Harryhausen stop motion yeah, it's got yeah. that clickety click noise yeah, it's, it's, sort of, it's really frightening yeah yeah it was done well was but done. having said that the, I, it, it always seems a bit a bit cruel to, to criticise something that came out 35 years ago for mm. its effects but a lot of them do look like they were made on a spectrum yeah, yeah. You've got the flashy blue lights and, and mm. all that sort of stuff. And mm. bear in mind, this is 1983. This came out the same year as Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And um, what's the other one with good effects? Twilight Zone, the movie. Mm-hmm. And this film cost more than both of those two put together. Mm. Like $45 million. Um, that all went on Ralph's blinking um, eye. <laughs> I'm sure. The eye fund. Yeah, yeah. I, that, again, I, I don't really know where that money went. Mm. When you compare it to other ones that had much better sort of visual and and practical effects, and it's not like they had you know massive big name no actors in it. Um, but again, that's again, that's a little bit unfair because it it, you can rise above that mm-hmm. and you can enjoy it for what it is. You can enjoy it for the story. Yeah, and I, you know, it is the locations and, and things that kind of save it. I think um, mm. where the effects are a little bit ropey. Yeah, at times um, I have to mention riding the, the fire. The fire because that's some 
that's some very bad back projection going on. It's a bit last in summer wine. And it's a shame because when the fine mares first are introduced, that's quite a a cool sequence, well, actually, yeah. when they were just kind of galloping through that ravine. and You can see the lights on the hooves yeah, when they're yeah. riding them up. It's great. Yeah, that's cool. But then it's just, it's especially with, with Bernard Breslau's Cyclops, mm. when he's, he's following after them to save the day, he just looks like he's bouncing up and down on a rock, almost like yeah, a toddler. He does. Just, just shaking up and down while the screen moves behind him. It reminds me of that um, uh, scene in, I think it's The Two Towers, where Gandalf is riding behind Pippin on a horse. Yeah. And it looks very dodgy. He's on a rocking horse holding a doll, <laughs> like my daughter does at home. Yeah. yeah. I think we're up to sort of like the, the part on the, the Great Swamp. Oh, yes. Now filmed at Pinewood, the Bond soundstage. Yeah, and they're off to, to the, the blind Emerald Seer. Mm. It's quite a creepy little sequence in parts. The, the, well. the black eyeballs are, yeah. are, are very scary. The black eyeballs of, of evil. And uh, this is sort of where Rel kind of starts being the cool save the day yep. breakout character. He doesn't just stand there going, oh, I know when I'm going to die, yeah. and, and that's it. That's part of the problem with, with the um, movie is that they introduce these characters, and then they kind of die about five minutes later almost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just don't, Spoilers. You, you, you don't get that character development that you need to kind of really... Yeah. Not that I cared when I was eight, but... Yeah, you, you're absolutely mm. right. The, the whole thing is... They don't do anything for ages. Mm. Oh, I've done something. Oh, I'm dead. Yeah. Is, is pretty much the role of, of all the supporting cast. Pretty much. Um, yeah, they start dropping like flies from sort of the, the swamp onwards. Really. Yeah. The, the, the swamp is, it, it's got one of those things that, that, that scared me as a kid and, and still does now, is the going under in quicksand. Quicksand. It was horrible. There was a period of time where almost where so many movies had a, had a horrible yep. quicksand sequence. Yeah. There's the Flash Gordon one. Yeah, yeah, of course. Blazing Status. <laughs> <laughs> the fall guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, one thing that kind of struck me as well is when the uh, Blind Emerald Sierra is killed, so Titch gets over it pretty quickly. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he was my only family. We're your family now. Oh, oh, oh all right then. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like quicker than Luke gets over uh, yeah. blowing an uproar. But that, that, that's in every film. Yeah. You're in like, I'm recently watched Alien Covenant, and, yeah. and that, that's the whole drive of the film. Mm. Everybody's wife or husband gets killed, and yeah. then the next scene, they're, ah, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, get over it. fine. But it is quite a good bit. Um, there's, I don't know if you saw it, there's, there's a, a fantastic bit where, I, it doesn't look intentional, where Robbie Coltrane falls on his arts. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. You have to go back and watch it. It's where, where one of the Slayers is, is sort of fighting with him. And he stumbles, and you can just tell by the look on his face that he's just he just fallen onto his ass in the water by accident, and they kept it in. Well, the fight choreography is not one of the strong points of this movie. No, I've seen better. I've seen better in sort of high school productions. <laughs> Ken Marshall just waving a sword about, <laughs> sort of poking it, waving it, and some slayers who clearly can't actually see out their helmets, just kind of blindly just whacking it. Swatting things, yeah, 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 yeah. And of course the um. The Cyclops and the Slayers have ancient hatred between them. They do. But um, I thought the Slayers had just arrived. Um, but eons ago, the Cyclops gave up an eye to see the future. But they were um, shafted, weren't they? They were. The, the only future they could see was the date of their own death. Oh. The other thing I, I noticed was when, when they're walking through the swamp and they're talking about their wishes, um, and of course, Titch... Says he wants a puppy, not a hundred puppies, mm. just one puppy. Just one. Um, and then they ask the Cyclops, um, what, what would his wish be? And ignorance. Says, ignorance. 
No, I'd have wished for a second eye. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have gone for the other eye back. The dialogue is consistently shit in the film. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's no really cool lines yeah. that you that you remember. There's, there's nothing there at all with, with any kind of... There's oh, no, that's, that's a good line. Yeah, there, there's no may the force be with you. No. Um, but it was written by a man called Stanford Sherman. Ooh. Who, um, had a bit of a look, um, as well as writing Any Which Way You Can. Oh. The, the second of the Clyde movies. Yeah, my favourite orangutan-based um, yep. buddy movie. You made men out of stone, mine you made out of shit. Mm-hmm. That's a good line. He also uh, used to write for the Batman TV series. And I think wow. that, that says a lot. It does. And that's does. where he's getting some of his fruity dialogue for Kroll, I think. I think they um they got the same uh, fight choreographer as well. <laughs> and, you know, the Beast really is just... He's just the devil, isn't he? All he does is sort of make shit deals with people. and Yeah, he's, uh, he's a bit naughty. He's more interested, really, in kind of um just breaking up the marriage of Lyssa and Colwyn than really well, conquering the planet. Well, I was thinking about that. I mean, maybe he's just trying to stop the prophecy of having somebody's child ruling the galaxy. That's that's true. So he's he's, he's kind a self- of a hero in disguise, yeah. really. Yeah, he's he's sort of a freedom he's mis- fighter. He's, he's, he's just misunderstood, I think. Just yeah. he's ugly. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of um convenient sort of plot devices in this movie where oh we need to travel a thousand leagues in a day. Oh, there's fire. There's some very or, fast horses yeah, in this yeah. bit, though. We need to know where the Black Fortress is. Oh, I'll just go to the Widow of Weir. There's, there's a lot of... There is another way. Yeah. Where, oh, we, we don't know what to do. There must be another way. There must be another way. So they go see the Widow of the Web. Fra- the lovely Francesca Annis. Yes. Who yes. we learn... Mm. Had a bit, of a, a bit of a dalliance within her many years ago. She sure did. And killed their child. Yeah, now that yeah. Is, is quite jarring um, watching it. Yeah, I was, a, I was a little shocked. She doesn't really explain why or, no. or how. Maybe no. she fed him to the spider, I don't know. But. Um, yeah, she sort of just drops on him that uh, she had his son. Oh, where is he? I killed him I, at birth. I, I, yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, he takes it pretty well. Yeah, he's not cross about it. He's sort of like, well, you know, I can understand that. I, was, um, I, you know, I wasn't the most attentive partner at the time. <laughs> um. He's not very attentive. He doesn't know his child died at birth. No, no. And uh, I, I really hated that sequence when I was a kid. The widow of the web. It's quite a strange little part to have in a rollicking action. Yeah, it, it does slow it? the pace down a little bit. Yeah, and um, this kind of dark, sort it's of tra- dark. tragic, romantic. Because of course, the widow of the web has the same ancient name as Lissa. Yes. Um, and it really just sets up that they're a uh, tragic, fucked-up version of Colwyn and Missler, really. Hey, that's interesting. Um, of course, these days, people would show a little bit of interest in what was their past, and then we'd get a prequel. You would. And, you know, Colwyn, he, he's, the character seems to have all this amazing charisma. You know, He turns these robbers into these loyal sort of soldiers, and... You know, this temptress who's been sent by the beast to seduce him and she kind of chooses death over over killing him. Yeah. But he's just... Ken. <laughs> Ken, the actor, just does not exude the charisma needed. He, he runs away a lot as yeah, well. He does. It's it's almost holy grail. If yeah. there's a bit of peril, he's, he's the first to go, run away. Mm. It, it happens when they finally enter the Black Fortress. Mm. And the the cave is is closing in on on poor old Bernard Breslau. Yeah, they sort of hold it for about a second. He goes right, let's go, and just buggers <laughs> off. And then when the floor opens up, and and Titch and um and Ergo, Ergo. fall down, he does it. Oh, let's go, come on. Yeah, as, as soon as the slaves turn up, he buggers off. Well, he's you know single minded in his pursuit of Lissa. 
Yeah, um, I, I can understand that. Yeah, and he just really wants to get out of his tights, I think. I'm starting to chase by that point. Yeah, yeah. Again, it could start to smoulder. With he's, he's probably like leg hair too. He's, he's, <laughs> it's, it's not going to. It's going to be quite warm down there. It is. It's probably why he gets fire from his hands later. Right? <laughs> he's going to be a bit rough. Yeah. Bit rough <laughs> the other thing I noticed, mm. um, and I was quite surprised at, is there's an actual scene with a small boy with a tiger on his lap. Mm. An actual live tiger. Yeah, now, he must have been, what, sedated or something? The boy, not the boy. The boy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had to just run away, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they had cruelty laws against animals at that time, but not, not children. Yeah, they've not seen raw. Mm. Mm. So after all their battles, mm. they finally get to the Black Fortress. They do. Um, and without spoilers, it's basically just the goodies win. And, it, and it that's is. it. It's, it's quite un- the ending is quite underwhelming. It, it is. It uh, is. Dirty dozen sort of everyone dies except for Torquil. Except for Torquil and Tucker Jenkins. And Tucker Jenkins. And Titch. Of course. Uh, and and, and Ugo. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's the tiger with the bad foot. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And um, there is no kind of tension, really. Uh, of no. Sort of twisty, turny, great big climax. Yeah, he, he, he chucks his fidget spinner a few times. Yeah, gets stuck. Gets, gets lodged and there's that yeah. horrible kind of jelly sound where he's not getting it back. That sort of plaintive kind of... Where he's well, he, just, he does a lot of reaching. No, he just reaches. He does yeah. a lot of <sighs> reaching. For the, for the benefits of the listeners, Rob's yeah, doing some, some just, wonderful reaching. I'm here. really, yeah, I'm reaching here. And it's, yeah, that, and that's where you kind of look back on this movie, which you think is all about this wicked, cool weapon that gets thrown around the whole movie, and then you realise that it just gets used for two or three minutes. It just chops it a bit, yeah. 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 Is, it's a bit of a shame because, of course, then Love Conquers All is, Love is the ending. Yeah. As long as they can, they can finish their wedding. Mm. without any sort of celebrant so mm. it's not really legally binding no it's a, not even sort of a civil union no. or anything really, is it so yep they they get married they then somehow Colvin can shoot fire from his hands mm-hmm. so he doesn't need his, his glaive anymore because he's got fire um, and the beast dies yeah the black fortress falls down and they sit in some flowers and and presumably their son will go on to be a megalomaniac, well, tyrannical that's right. ruler yep. of the galaxy. Yep, the, the, the voice at the end sort of confirms that, and they will have a son who will rule the galaxy, and they all vote it. With only sort of medieval-level technology somehow. Hmm. As all galaxy rulers uh, can. Yeah. 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 So after all that, we've, we've torn it to pieces. We have. Did you enjoy it? <laughs> you mean? <laughs> do you mean, Christopher... Was it still any good? I thought it was going to be absolutely awful. Krull mm. is kind of a whipping boy for, for rubbish films from the 80s. and We should probably point out it was a bomb. A bomb. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I said, it, it cost $45 million, yeah. which in, in today's money is about $150, $155 million. Yeah. So, so not cheap. Yeah. And it made, I think, around about $10 million gross worldwide. Yeah. Um, so... It's, it's one that everyone talks about and says, oh, well, I don't remember Krull. Ha, ha. Mm. Um, I actually quite enjoyed it. I thought it was quite good fun. I enjoyed it too. I, I thought it was good fun too. Um, I wouldn't watch it again. <laughs> no. <laughs> I enjoyed it. No. Next next time. Yep, so it's your turn to choose. It is my um, turn to choose. We're, so we're, we're going to take it in turn, so I chose this week's which was Krull, so Rob, it's your turn. What are we having? Well, I've chosen a film called The Mutations which I haven't seen since I was about eight. 
Um, I watched it with my mum. She used to work nights as a waitress, and, and quite often I'd, I'd wait up at, at night on a Friday. Was this a cocktail bar? <laughs> she, she was working at a waitress, no, actually, in a sort of hotel motel in Gisborne. Um, that was the Human League's yeah. second choice of lyrics. <laughs> they just couldn't rhyme Gisborne. Then. And I remember I used to wait up on sort of Friday nights and watch the Friday horrors kind mm-hmm. of with her when she came home. And um, The Mutations was one of them. And, uh, you know, Donald Pleasance, Tom Baker, Mutations. I've never heard of it, so yeah. I'm, I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah. I've genuinely never heard of it, so, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I'm looking forward to it too. Great. Well, that's us for this week. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter, at StillAnyGoodPod, hashtag SAGPod. Um, no, it's not nicknamed for Chris's Willie. It's, um... I call mine the Glaive. <laughs> I call mine the Old One. <laughs> I think it was Tish. <laughs> No, it's Ergo the Magnificent, actually. <laughs> and, and no, not Rail the Cyclops either. Oh, God. Let's go yeah, on. Go, go, go on. Um, talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye.